Have you ever been so unhappy that you've used food and sleep to escape? That was me a few years ago. I was so unhappy with my job and my life as a whole that I used to pretty much set an alarm for just before 5pm every single day, just before my lovely wife Zainab would come home and I would literally rush out of bed, do the dishes and pretend like I'd been up for the entire day. The most visible aspect of this was my weight. Weighing in at over 80 kilos and on the brink of being obese, it's fair to say I wasn't exactly in the best shape of my life. So I took action and I addressed what I thought was the easiest thing to do, and that was the weight. So I began going to a gym, and I now have a job that I absolutely love. However, in the process of losing all that weight, my mindset changed. A combination of my desire to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through, and my own love for cars, I present to you the Behind the Wheel podcast, a place to occasionally hear from people who work with and or own some pretty cool cars, to hear how they've got to where they are in the pursuit of inspiring you to take the steps you need to build a life based on your passion. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, a culmination and brainchild, I guess, of my huge love for cars, but also my own personal development journey um, as a result of losing a ton of weight, but also realizing that actually I am ultimately accountable and responsible for everything in my life. And with that in mind, the podcast is really designed to bring people who have made a career and made a living out of what they love doing every single day and allow them to inspire you to live a life that's based on passion, purpose, service, and ultimately be much more happier in what you do. So with that in mind, I am so, so delighted to welcome Sam Hard. Sam, welcome. Good morning. How you doing, buddy? All good. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, extremely early on this uh, on this Saturday morning. It's it's much, much appreciated. That's it. Sun's out. We're out. What could be better, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Sam, uh, for those who, who might not know you or might not know you in enough detail, I guess firstly... Uh, well, actually, before I go on to that, actually, um, the first thing I normally do is ask everyone on the podcast, what would be your uh, five-car dream garage? What does that look like? Wow. Okay. So it's a bit of a weird one for me because you know, my dream garage has kind of been fulfilled. So, you know, when I was 15 years old, I said I wanted a Dodge Charger from Fast and Furious. I never imagined by 30 I'd get Dominic Toretto's actual real car. Wow. And um, yeah, so basically, dream garage. We're having a 1970 Dodge Charger, just because it's stupidly awesome. Um, yeah. Then we're going to have a Plymouth Superbird. That's the car that was developed in the 1970s with a big wing on the back of it. Um, yeah. Two hundred yeah. mile hour car. Uh, then we're going to go Italian styling American muscle. So Di Tommaso Pantera, really gorgeous bit of kit. Um, I'm really going to throw it out there now. And we're going to, people are going to laugh at me for calling this a dream car, but it's the car that has got me my uh, got me by every single day. It's a Ford KA. We're going to throw a Ford KA in there just because it doesn't matter. Really? I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I always have one in stock, right? And it doesn't matter, like rain or shine, even if my best car or my prettiest car doesn't start, that KA will start every single time. The air conditioning will be freezing cold. The heated seats will work. So uh, we can't have a green garage without a KA. What's that? Is that three or four? I think we're going to 
and a four. That's uh, I think it's about a four. Yeah. Uh, and the fifth car, I, I probably I, I'd like a Tesla Cybertruck. To be fair, I, I think it's something stupid. I think it will break the UK market. I, I think you know, so someone needs to shake it up a little bit. I think I'd like a Tesla Cybertruck, pretty please. Why not? You know, I've had a, I've had about 15, 16 guests now on this show and no one's ever mentioned a Cybertruck. No, no, no one's mentioned um, the the American kind of super ridiculously high-powered, um, you know, muscle cars. So it's always great to have a bit of difference in the show. So uh, thank you very much. Normally it's the Koenigseggs and the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. So uh, all, all, all up for, for, for a bit of difference in there. Um I guess, firstly, Sam, uh, what is your... I mean, tell us just a little bit about you and your kind of story, if you don't mind. Well, I met my wife uh, 10 years ago and um, been in lots of rubbish relationships. And uh, I met her and I knew I was punching above my weight, if, if that makes sense. And um, <laughs> and basically, uh, I told her my dreams. I said, oh, I want to go and meet Richard Rawlings. You know, I watch Gas Monkey every single week. Like, a, you know, it's basically my dedicated... It's my gig, you know, and um, I had a garage and my staff members every Monday morning, we'd start the day by throwing a projector on the wall and we'd watch that week of Fast and Loud, you know, and she said, well, what's stopping you? And I was like, well, you know, life gets in the way, you've got to earn enough money to, you know, pay the rent, you've got to do it. She said, no, 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 you just got to go do it, you know. So um, basically my mm-hmm. dad went on eBay, bought a pickup truck and uh, he's like, do you want to come with me to El Paso, Texas? to buy a pickup. I was like, let's go. So I went out, disappeared out to the state, and uh, I had two grand on my credit card, and I managed to spend every penny, as you can imagine any any young wow. any young 23-year-old man would do. And uh, I, I flew out, and on my own, I left my dad in El Paso, Texas, and I flew out and met Richard Rawlings. And um, basically, wow. he turned around to me and said, try and find that gravy train. Find, try and find something that works for you. Right, because if it works, just keep riding it until it dies out, and then try something else. And um, yeah, so he, he said, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm a Mercedes specialist. I've got my own garage, but I dislike life in general. Like working life is is, is horrendous. Like uh, I go to work every morning to fix someone's car. They don't appreciate the money I'm saving them. They don't appreciate the training and the hard work that went into me being a diagnostic mechanic." Um, and I'm fed up, and he went, well, go do something you love, mate. Yeah, just stupid. So from, from that mm. day on, I, I brought a few cars that I loved into the country, and I started um, basically filming what I'm doing and, you know, buying and selling weird, wonderful cars that I loved because I thought, well, if I like the look of it, someone else out there will like the look of it. And I'm the one that's got the guts yeah. to go to the States to buy it, so maybe there is some profit to be had here because I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of people out there doing what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, it all sort of spun off yeah. from there. I mean, driving Dominic Toretto's Dodge Charger across America for, you know, to SEMA, the biggest car show in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we did that. I've done some pretty cool stuff that has, you know, basically all spiraled off. Me meeting my missus and she allowing and trusting me to, to go around and do what I want to do. That's just incredible. I think, um, I mean, I think there are many, many people who will listen to this and think, like you've actually made a living and a career out of something really, really niche, but actually something that's really, really kind of different and quite exciting as well. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about um, the early kind of struggles, if you like, and um, 
you know, the kind of initial kind of hardships when you're first starting out? Well, well, I'll be absolutely honest with you. The hardships when you start out are not as bad as the hardships that COVID cost, you know? Um, but what I will say is determination and making plans that you feel in your mind are unchangeable is the most important thing. Okay. So, you know, I said to myself, um, by the time I was 30, I wanted to be on TV. I want to be on TV, you know, and I, I set that bar and I did it, you know, and, and I think that a lot of people out there will will go on here who know me and say, you know, Sam is a doer, not a talker. You know, there's people out there that will every day go, yeah, one day I'm going to get my 69 Mustang and I'm going to drive it to a car show every month. Brilliant. That's fantastic. That's your dream. But dreams need to be set high. You need to believe in yourself more than you personally know. And someone once told me, Sam, the only limitation your dreams is your imagination and down this road here half a mile there's a house and i want it and it's a million pound i'm never going to be able to afford it hang on a minute what do you mean i'm never going to be able to afford it well hang on i went and knocked that guy's door the other day and gave him my business card and said look i opened my business in september up the road when you want to sell this house you contact me and i'll see if there's anything i can do to sell some of my junk to buy your house you know but at the beginning it, it was about um making people believe if that makes sense. So I go to America and I'd be so confident in myself that everyone in America, all these TV stars, um, thought that I was famous in Europe because I was confident, I was outgoing, I had cameras and stuff. And then when I come back to the UK, people would assume because I was with everyone TV wise, they were my friends in America that I was famous in America. So it was like both sides of the coin, people would believe in that. I was something, even though I wasn't, you know, and, and, and I was, it was going crazy. I was filming TV shows. I was working on the sidelines. I built cars for SEMA in Las Vegas with my friends in Mexico. Um, I was doing stuff for my dad. Where, you know, my dad was buying the green cars that he always wanted and was bringing them back and uh, keep them for six months, sell them, go and buy another dream car. You know, we've done some pretty cool stuff together. But yeah, that's all I'd say is, you know, every limitation in life is about your own uh, perception of it, if that makes sense. Like, my, my wife says, yeah. go to America, party like a rock star. Just don't spend any of my family's money on, you know, unnecessary. You know, so if you're going to go to a bar, buy yourself a drink. You know, maybe if you're with someone that's putting you up for the night, maybe buy them a few drinks, take them for a meal. Don't go to ladies of the night bars and, you know, spend my kids' money through through obviously earning some college career or whatever but you know like please just respect the boundaries and, and i've done that and i'm so lucky to be where i am you know can i ask i mean you know um it's there are certain certain situations where you know um it's 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 hard to get the support from family or from your spouse or from whoever it is around you that are yep. closest to you. You know, sometimes what you believe is just so risky and so out there. Um, obviously, you've been quite fortunate, but you know, um, was, was there ever a time when you know those closest around you didn't perhaps see what you had in mind, and and, and was that quite Every hard day. to kind of tackle? I Every guess. day. So. Um... We're going to touch on something that happened uh, 2019, and then we're going to touch on something that happened yesterday. So that you see how similar my 
my headaches and my my goals are so hard to overcome. So in 2019, Fast and the Furious Live went bust. It was a uh, like a, a an arena show that replicated different scenes of the movie. Okay, and when that went bust, I sold everything I had to go buy some of these Fast and Furious cars. And my partner, who believes in me, said, "Is this really a good idea? Like they're just props, they're just movie props." And um, I asked different family members and friends around me their opinion. Everyone said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So in Sam Hard's style, I went out and I did it. And I bought, I didn't just buy one car, I ended up buying five Fast and Furious cars. And one of them was the wheelie wow. car from the Fast and Furious Live. Pressed the button, it did a wheelie wheel on its back wheels. Well, in my delight, it turned out to be a Universal Studios movie used car. And, you know, no one bid on it. I bought it for like five grand. It was, it was cheap. And, um, and I got that back wow. and I said, look, I love it and I want to keep it forever, you know, but it's unusable. It's completely pointless. It's buying a pen with no ink. It, it, it's pointless. You know, it's cool. It works. Brilliant. I've got a pen. Fantastic. I can't sign my name. Um, but I said, like, what I want to do is I want to make that car drivable. And everyone's like, it's too far gone, Sam. It's a prop. It was full of gas struts. And, you know, the NAS Charger build on YouTube was because of that, because I bought a Dodge Charger, which I couldn't use, and I bought a NASCAR off eBay that I couldn't use either. So I thought, well, what better running gear do you have that is determined to start every day and to fall like a train? A NASCAR. And that's my dream car. So basically, I cut the NASCAR in half, extended it eight inches, put it inside the Dodge Charger, and drove it across America. But when my videographer turned up one day, and I said, look, if you believe in my dream, we're going to go to Vegas in November and I'm going to drive this car across America. And he's like, oh, come on, Sam, you know, you need to have realistic expectations. You need to, you know, put a, um, what they call it, like a consequence fan in there. So, like, if stuff goes wrong, you need to be ready for those consequences. And I was like, no, no, we are going to Vegas and I'm going to drive that car across America from Lincoln, Nebraska to Vegas, 5,000 miles, and I'm going to do it. Yes, I got arrested doing 160 mile an hour. I didn't break down. I took it to the biggest car show in the world. I proved the world that anyone from the smallest town in the world can do something if you put your mind to it. And I delivered it and it, it was done. And then on the other end of the scale, uh, my brother-in-law phoned me yesterday and said, oh, we're going to go and do this Scotland 500, which is like the Route 66 in Scotland. And that's next month. And I'm like, right. Yeah. He goes, why don't you buy a tent? And you can come with us. I was like, well, there's a couple of things I don't do. And number one of them is tents. So I went on Facebook and I was messaging everyone. And I found a motorhome to sell in pools. And I have a little bit of money saved up for the VAT man. Um, obviously, the VAT bill isn't due till, you know, we've got a few months yet. And I found a motorhome. And I know that I can buy that motorhome. And I paid £27,000 for it yesterday. And I know that I can sell that for thirty-five. So what I can do is I can buy that motorhome. I can do it up slowly over the next couple of months. We can go away in it every other weekend and go camping. And I can pull seven, eight grand out of it. It's not a problem. That's profit. So it's about having those leaps of faith. And my wife turned around yesterday and said, is that really a good idea? Wasting, spending your VAT money on something that is, you know, a risk. I was like, it's not a risk because I've done my due diligence. I know it's worth this amount of money and it's cheap. So I went and bought it. So there's always people there. Yeah. But I feel aren't 
always against me, but they're always knocking home those home truths to try and keep me in, in a sense, reality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, you know, you, you'll know more than anyone else. Um, you know, running a business obviously requires a huge amount of dedication, time, you know, long hours, um, sometimes believing in the impossible. Um, how do you balance everything? I mean, from a, from a, a business owner perspective, you know, do you, do you struggle to kind of balance obviously you know your personal life uh being with family you know um and and obviously the demands of it and and how do you how do you yeah, got to do that the most chaotic person you'll ever meet in your life um things change from day to day i got a phone <laughs> call last week saying mate it's tuesday i found a car for sale it's two hours away the lifetime investment i did my check as it's submitted so i'm really sorry this has come up explained what it was once in a lifetime opportunity, can I go? Cool, we'll make it up in the week. I think people don't understand that it can't always be me, me, me. It's got to be we, 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 you know? And every decision I make, I take a step back and think, is this going to affect my kids? Is this going to affect my missus? What can I do? Because this needs to happen to be able to put food on the table. What I'm, the, the risk and the time I'm taking away from my children ultimately will pay for food on the table. Yeah. What can I do to counteract me being an absolute ass and ditching my family? So, you know, basically, you know, on Tuesday, yeah. I had to go and pick this car up. So Wednesday, I went in three hours later, and uh, in the morning, I went in three hours later than I should have and hung out with my kids and took them to school. And then that evening, I finished earlier and picked them up from school. Yeah and spend a bit of time with them. So, you know, you've just got to do your best to weigh up the pros and cons, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I want to go back to, um, you know, you, you mentioned before, you know, when you were starting up, you know, um, the fact that it was obviously born out of passion. Um, have you, Is that has that always been you in terms of this belief that, you know, um, you should try and follow what you've got a passion for, what you've got an interest. Has, has that always been with you, or is that, is that something that's, that's sort of been developed over over time and obviously meeting, you know, various I, I, people, no, as you mentioned sure. earlier? I, I was insecure. I was unhappy with the way I looked. Uh, I was um, very, sorry, there's a couple of people, sort of shady people looking around my car service. Um, I, I was always insecure. Um, Ex-partners made me feel like I wasn't a good-looking person. Uh, told me that I wasn't good enough, told me that I couldn't achieve stuff. So, you know, I was always in a sense of um, worry about money, about being able to do what I want to do and be who I want to be. And it wasn't till I uh, left my ex-girlfriend that I thought, I'm better than this. You know, like there was points in my life where it sounds absolutely horrendous to say, but people do get low to a point where you don't want to be around anymore and, and, and you don't, and that's the most selfish thing to do. Like in, you know, I understand that now. Um, but in your mind, you don't know what could be better than that. What, what can be better than, you know, I've lost my girlfriend of five years. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. That's a small, like speck in the ocean to your life. But at the time, it's the worst thing in the world. You know, someone's told you for five years, you're not a good looking guy. Someone's told you for five years, 
that you can't achieve your dreams and you're never going to have anything you want. Sometimes if someone tells you enough, it, it becomes reality, you know? And I, I come away from that with everyone yeah. I know saying, you're better than this, you're better than her, you can do this, you can do that. And one day I just woke up and I thought, I've got to have a go. You know, what? what's the worst that's going to happen? I can't be any, you know, sometimes you've got to reach that, reach that bottom pinnacle to realize that there's so much up here to achieve, you know? Yeah. And yeah. what I will say is I've been in low places, but unless you get up in the morning, like I did today, I got quarter past six, and I went down my, my office and I tried to set up today on the Chrome and it wouldn't work. And I tried it on my phone, it wouldn't work. And, I, and 10 years ago, I'd have gone, oh, do you know what? I'm going to send him a message. Oh, we'll do it another day. Sorry, mate, can't do it. And find an excuse because I wasn't good enough to, to try a little bit harder. So today I, I jumped in my car and I drove half an hour. I got to my car sales. I've set up a computer. I've downloaded it. I'm 10 minutes late, but I've delivered what I promised, you know, Things aren't always about the hurdles, it's about overcoming them. Yeah. And, you know, now, every day, I think to myself, I can do that. I can do that. You know, I can do this. There's no stopping me, you know. There's a dream. Your mind and your brain power is the only thing that will stop you, you know. What, what, what drives you, Sam? Like, what is it that you know, keeps you focused, motivated, energized every single day to push through the long hours and the grind and the constant, you know, I- I'm sure that, you know, um, there's a part of your job that you probably don't find as exciting as, as other parts, right? So, um, you, what, so what keeps you going? COVID, uh, my garage slowed down. I had a normal car garage as well as a customizing shop and the garage slowed and slowed and slowed. And um, basically, I had to open my own car sales because I, I kind of had a bit of money saved up from COVID grants and stuff, and I opened the car sales. And it's a couple of things in life that motivate me. And the one thing that will shock a lot of people is money. Money doesn't motivate me at all. It's printed every single day. It's meeting people like yourself and having experiences that you can't pay for that really motivate me. And I sell the most boring cars in the world out here. like. Ford Transit, Escorts, um, you know, Vauxhall Courses, stuff you don't care about. But what motivates me is people that come to me, get an experience they would never expect from a car sales, yeah, and walk away going, do you know what? That guy has just changed my perception of car salesmen, right? That motivates me to do better. And if I can earn enough money to buy these weird and wonderful cars, which I do as well, through buying and selling this stuff. And that's what motivates me, getting up every day and buying something different. You know, basically spending, taking my kids to school twice a week. You know, I live in a council house. I don't have my own house. I can't afford it yet, but I've got a hundred cars, you know, in my, that I own. And I don't owe a penny to anyone. What motivates me is the little things, you know? I've got a, I'm gonna turn the camera around. I've got a Harley Davidson motorcycle in my office, right? I don't even, I don't even have a motorcycle license, oh, right? But what motivates me is knowing that that there is cool, and I get to come in and look at cool stuff every single day. The silly things that motivate me. I personally yeah. don't understand how my brain works, okay? Most people are like, I want to have 100 grand, I want to have a 1,000 pound, I want to have a million pound in the bank. 
the money is irrelevant. Money is printed every day. Experience is like bumping into you, but there's a couple of guys out there. They look dodgy as hell. They're looking around my van. It doesn't matter. They might be lovely people. I want my perception of those people to change. I'd love to walk out that door and they'd be lovely, lovely people. And my perception has changed. That's worth more money than anything in the world, you know? It's it's so true. I think I think people often get so hooked up on the desire for more money without realizing that money isn't actually the, th- the thing that makes you happy. I mean, if you were to wake up with a million pounds in your account, you wouldn't actually be any happier than you were before. Um, I think more often than not, it's about what you spend your money on. And for me, what gives me happiness and fulfillment is when people are happier or yeah, in a better place because of me. That's what makes you happy, right? It's being of service. And I think um, it's just, uh, I mean, if, if, if there's one thing I want anyone to take from this podcast is that chasing after money is just, it in the belief that it'll make you happy is 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 just ridiculous. Um, I think it's about chasing after what you've got a passion for, what you've got an interest in, and the the idea of waking up every single morning and doing what you love is is just so so important. Um, Sam, where does your passion uh, for cars come from, and how did you discover it? When I was fourteen, I think I was, no, I was what? How old was I? I'm not going to give you an age or was because someone will call me a liar. I've said it before, um, but I was. I think I was like 13 years old and um, my dad's always had like American cars since I was a kid. And um, he said, I'll go take you car racing. I'm like, right, okay. So basically I, I went and bought a, um, an Austin Mini with my first 50 pound I ever got. And uh, we turned into a race car and it was number 147. And if anyone knows anything about snooker, that's maximum break. Um, like, you know, when you try and get all the balls down, that's the best break you can get mm-hmm. so 147 was like well i'm gonna break it i might as well be maximum break and um at 13 years old i was racing cars you know and yeah throughout my my life i've always had a car you know my i was i bought my first car off my dinner lady at school at primary school for 50 pounds i bought two yugo sanas and every year it's just escalated wow. like you know it got to the point where through lockdown i had 130 cars and you think, how can you own 130 cars? And my diary is, I look at my diary every day and I think, look, I did not write anything down today. <laughs> you know, I, I did not write anything in my diary. I, I should have done and I haven't. And um, the problem you have is like, I don't have a scheme of planning stuff very well. I, I'm not an organized man, but what I am is I know that things need to happen and I make them happen. So, uh, it, like today, there is a car behind this office that is parked in the most stupid manner ever. And I've got a view in today for that car. So, it means I've got to move like 20 cars to get one car out. And it's like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. How am I going to do that? There's no point being stressed because it's got to be done. <laughs> Simple. There's, there's, no, there's nothing else about it. It's just got to be done, you know? Yeah, yeah. crazy i mean um what what would be your advice for those out there who are listening or will be listening to, to this podcast and you know they're, they're they're not sure they're not sure what their passion is what they've got an interest in what would be your advice for those that are just not not quite where they want to be in life and you, want to you know, know what, a, what a they should be doing someone's told me uh, i met a young man and he said to me 
oh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm, you know, I'm not good at cars. I'm not good at uh, computers. I'm not good at electronics. I'm not good at writing. I was like, cool, what do you love? Oh, well, I love my computer games. So, you know, I love computer games. I'm like, cool. Get a camera out and video yourself playing a computer game. Right? But everyone's doing that. Cool. But there's one less yeah. person doing it because you're not doing it. And let's just say you can go out and you can get 10 views. That's 10 more yeah. people that you've inspired to do something different. It doesn't matter if you are working for the council and you love emptying bins. Yeah? And you get up at five in the morning, you empty everyone's bins with two of the lads who sit next to you in that truck. And you have a laugh every day. Video what you're doing, man. Like, one day you won't be around and your life will be not wasted, but it'll be undocumented. Whatever you do, wherever you work at Tesco, get your camera out. Guys, it's 10 a.m. in the morning. I'm at Tesco's and I'm going to do my eight-hour shift. I work with some of the best people in the world. And I work with some absolute plonkers, too. But I'm going to go to work and I'm going to earn my money. Let's have it. And, and take snippets. Yeah. Whatever you do in life, it doesn't matter if you're a bin man. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you work at Tesco's or you work at McDonald's. Document your life because someone would love to see what you're doing. I'd love to see what you're doing, and I'm sure this beautiful man here will love to see what you're doing. But, Amanda, you told me about um, this, this weight loss thing that, you know, has inspired you Absolutely. and has changed your life, yeah? I don't know if you filmed it, but imagine if you filmed it. Imagine how inspiring that yeah. would be to a load of people that are now, you know, sat in the position you were before you did that. How amazing would that have been, you know? But you being on here and talking about it now is amazing too. Like that is knocking people into the shape of there is light at the end of the t tunnel, you know. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine called Rob Pitt. He owns um, he owns Hot Rods and Happy Hour. He's got a massive YouTube channel in America. And he was a massive, massive man mountain. Huge guy. He's now skinny, beautiful looking man like yourself. And his YouTube channel has taken off like you won't believe. And that is all because he had the bollocks to go do it. You know what it is? It's I I have this almost daily chat with, with young people about get that £1,000 iPhone that you've got that your dad gave you and use it for something that's actually productive, right? And, you know, for, for some reason, there just seems to be a lot of insecurity i think i think i think that's what it boils down to i think that a lot of people feel like oh my god people people are going to think i'm ugly people are going to think that i've got a horrible voice people are going to think that you know um i can't talk to save my life how do you um I mean, obviously you've you've been through your own insecurity sam and you know um what what one or two sort of gems um would you in part to those people who are just a bit too scared, a bit too scared to get that phone out and shove it in front right. of them and take that video, then playing that video game really, or whatever really it is. It frustrates me more than anything in the world, right? When you go to school, you get learned how to write your name, how to, um, you know, basically add stuff up, yeah? What class teaches you to be nice to that guy there? You know, maybe the skinny little guy in the corner that, Maybe maybe the young lad that's got an extra finger or maybe someone that is disabled or something like that, yeah? What part of school teaches you to interact with that person, yeah? What part of school tells you you can be anything you want to be? What part of school um, tells you to respect 
a female um, or not to put your hands on a lady or to realize that her body is hers and it's not your decision if anything happens in life, life changing things. Yeah, because that is the most annoying thing in the world. If you look out there now, let's just say that, you know, people are insecure because um, let's say I'm a good looking guy in someone's perception. Yeah. At school, I was not a good looking guy. I was I, I had a big head. My hands were huge. I was lanky. I was skinny. People took the mickey out of me. I was called a, um, I, I, I'm going to be honest here, I was racially abused a lot of my life to the point of really bad, um, really, really bad racial abuse. Um, and growing up, what I found is it doesn't matter wow. who you are, how you look, where you're from, how you talk, what your accent is, you know, what it depends on is you as a person. I mean, I, I met a, a gentleman um, at Bonham and he is not a normal looking gentleman. He is very odd looking. Yeah. And he is a multimillionaire car valuer because his passion and his knowledge that he's learned about these classic cars. And I would love to go into a school and say, look at Ed Sheeran. What do you think of Ed Sheeran? He's a ginger in most people's perception, not the prettiest looking man in the world, right? But he is out there and it started by him singing and not caring about what anyone thought, yeah? There are so many people out there like that aren't, you know, picturesque, you know, they're not um, Miley Cyrus or they're not Justin Bieber and they're smashing all them people out of the water just because their passion and their quality of their workmanship is better than anyone others. You know, school needs to start teaching people right now. It doesn't matter what you look yeah. like, where you're from, you can be anything you want to goddamn be. Because I was told at school that I would be working at Asda my whole life because I, I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at English. I'm not good at this. I got C grades. I went and worked at Mercedes. I'm a qualified diagnostic technician. I got my own business. I got my own family and I've got lots of stuff that's mine. There's no way in a million years at 15 years old I thought I could do that. But if someone went into that school and said, you know what? You can do this. Look at this guy. He was an underachiever at school and he did this. Look at this person. Well, he didn't even get to do his GCSE and he did this. There is more to life than school. There is more to life than what people plant in your head. And that's it. It's, it's so true. I think, I mean, we, we have this perception that if you get bad A-levels or bad GCSEs and, and <clears throat> I mean, kids, kids nowadays, the amount of pressure that is on them to have grades, I think is yeah, ridiculous. I, I mean, you know, you, you hear of kids self-harming, right? Because they got a B rather than an A. And it's, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. My mum and dad would be so disappointed in it. Do you know what? Like, there's uh, a, a lovely gentleman that I know and uh, his mum and dad will be watching this podcast because they, they care about and love what I do. And his, uh, his son works for me now and again. And the school have basically failed him. Like they, they have not helped him. The school is so big that they don't have a chance to be personal and look at people's cases. And they failed him, completely failed him. I told him, you know what, GCSEs don't mean crap. I'm telling you now, 15 years ago, people were making their own GCSEs up and printing them on a bit of paper and no one ever checked them. And you know, it's about how you are as a person. Are you a kind person? Yes. Do you turn up on time? 
Yes. Do you care and want to learn? Yes. Cool. All that stuff at school when you were bullied and, you know, things basically were put on top of you, which made you underachieve. Like, you know, bullying is the same 100 years ago than it is today. You know, you, you, your parents or some people's parents will say, oh, don't worry about that B word or whatever or whatever. You know, like people will nail in that, you know, we don't like these kind of people. We don't like these kind of people. Well, that will just follow your child his whole life. He needs to make his own decisions of who's a nice person and who's a horrible person. And even if someone turns around to you and goes, oh, do you know what? Sam Ard, he's an absolute idiot. And he, you know, treated me like this once. Well, it doesn't matter. Come and get your own perception of me and then make your own decision. You do not go by anyone else's. You take people's advice on and you allow that to be at the back of your mind. But you don't allow other people's decisions to rule your opinion of people. And I think that's really important, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think often I think I think people's actions towards you is actually a reflection of their own problems and, and, and issues. And I think people who um who are being bullied or are in a situation where they feel like they're not good enough because yeah. of what people are saying to them, I think more often than not it's just because they don't feel like they are good enough. And I think um it's a bit like parents, right? You know, parents often put a lot of pressure on kids particularly Asian kids, um, to do law or, you know, biology or dentistry, stuff which they might not really enjoy, but it's actually a reflection of their yeah. own um, their own failure, you could argue, to, to, to go into those careers. And they're, they're, pushing, they're pushing their you, version you of happiness that, on, the, on, on the their kids, hand, and that's really um, sad to see. And this is going to sound very, very... Uh, I don't know how to say this without being rude, but... A lot of Indian and Asian people are very, very clever at uh, information retention. They, they just are. And um, you, you just look at the scales of, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, white British doctors to Indian and Asian doctors. There's a lot more. And personally, you know, a lot of people don't have a direction they want in life. You know, you said to me a moment ago about, um, oh, what about for people that, you don't, that don't know their direction in life. They don't know what they want to do, right? What you normally find is that, like, a lot of Indian people and, and Asian people, they grow up, like I grew up, loving cars because of my dad. Or a lot of Indian people don't grow up with their family around, and that's not me being rude or anything. That's just a way of life because mum and dad are doctors or dentists or, you know, vets or whatever, and they, they demand a lot of hours and their, their professionalism and stuff. Yeah is, you know, it's made them proud of who they are. And when they indirectly push the insecurities and these dreams onto their children, mm -hmm. I don't think it is sometimes their failures that they're trying to push on. It's trying to prove to their children that they couldn't imagine that they would have been as good a doctor or as good a dentist as they can. And a lot of people... When they grow up and they don't have their parents around as much as maybe mm. myself, like I was lucky, I, I wanted to do everything when I grow up. I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman, I want to do this. I had so much things I wanted to do. Imagine growing up when your mum and dad are in a professional business where you don't see them every day of the week, like, or you're at a boarding school or whatever. Your parents are pushing you into what they do because they know that what they do is important to society, it earns a good living. 
And when they look back at it, what do you want more for your children? You want them to be social in society. You want them to have a good living. And you want to know that they've got a career that can hold them on. And if your child has got no direction in life, then why not try and push them in, into that? You know, and yeah. that, that, that was, that's my opinion. It might not be the right decision or whatever, but that's my opinion, you know? Absolutely. I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, my, my, my advice for young people all the time is, you know, just experience everything. Like just, you know, just literally take everything you possibly can. If you've got an interest in sewing, go crazy. If you've got an interest in cars, go crazy. Like you got to, I think, I think for some reason, I think, um, you know, uh, I think that a lot of people fall into a career path because they only, because they believe yeah. whether it's family whether it's parents whatever it is so that is the only career path that is available to them but actually you know what if you spend a lot of your time when you're young just absorbing everything you possibly can and finding out what you've got a passion for you know uh that that that's always the right thing rather than kind of focusing on what's going to make you the most money as we were saying earlier um sam it's um it's been such a pleasure but before i end um i want to ask one final question Sam Hard, what would you want your legacy to be? Yeah, I want to be known as the the guy that did everything. You know, if I if I die tomorrow, I, I want people to look at me and go, do you know what? I can do anything I can in life. Anything I ever want to do, any dream, you can go and meet your idol. You and please do not believe your idol is going to be everything you want him to be. That's the most important thing. So you know, um, make yourself your best idol, okay? You know, I want to go meet Richard Rawlings. I met him. He's freaking amazing. I went and met Chip Foose. I went and met every person. Rowan Atkinson, if you're out there, I want to meet you. Um, you know, I want people to know that you can do anything you set your mind to. Anything in the whole wide world. And I just want to end it on one little thing, if that's all right with you. Uh, I met a gentleman once who was sat down outside of a, uh, a kebab house and he had nothing. He'd lost his wife because he was not faithful. He lost his kids because also he was not faithful. He was not an educated man and he had nothing to show for it. I bought him uh, a bacon sandwich or something from, from, a, from a burger van, a kebab van. I sat down talking to him for like two hours. And uh, when I sat down to him, I said, oh, what's up? He said, I lost my wife. I lost my kids all because I made bad decisions. I don't have a career. I don't have anything I can aspire to. To be fair, I might as well just end my life and just get it over. There'd be a lot less, um, you know, headaches for people in the world if I weren't around. And I went, right. I said, tomorrow you're going to get up 
and uh, I'm going to meet you at a charity shop, and I'm going to buy you some clothes. He said he had no clothes. I went, okay. And I went down, and I bought him a shirt, and I bought him some trousers. It cost me about £4 from a charity shop, right? He had trainers on, didn't want to take his trainers off. No worries. I said, go around to every... He says, oh, I can't get a job at McDonald's. I can't get a job anywhere. I said, we're going to go around every single charity shop in Fareham in Hampshire, and we're going to find you a job. Oh, why would I go work for a charity shop? Why would I go work for a charity shop? I said, because if you turn up on time, you work with every different race, nationality, and every single person in every single aspect of, of life, yeah? You had a criminal record as well. I said, go, let's go find you a job at a charity shop. And he went, what's the freaking point in that, right? So I explained to him that if you get a job and it earns no money, but let's say you work there for six months and you turn up every morning on time, you cover every single shift, and you do it in a manner where wow. you've never had a complaint against you. And then you can get a, wow. a you know, um, a piece on your CV that says you turned up on time. It wasn't about the money. You covered hours. You covered shifts. And you dedicated yourself. Then you can go work at Asda's or McDonald's and say, look, I've proved myself. I've made bad decisions, but I've turned my life around. He said at the end of that day, Sam, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, I shook his hand and I didn't see him again for three years, right? One day I was so down the true. Road, I mean, that's just golden. It's just golden. It, 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 it brought, it brought um, goosebumps to my arm. I mean, God, that's just unbelievable. Nice, unbelievable. Right? And, 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 and the over, same thing we as with passion, right? You know, people think that you have to get paid to do what you love. But actually, when you're young and you've got no bills, what is stopping young people from just DMing a bunch of... You know, right. 20, 30 people say, you know what, I love what you do. I love, you know, this particular area of work. I'm going to work for you for free for like six months and just get that experience, right? You wouldn't have nothing. And those five minutes I took out of my day to spend with someone changed his life and found a direction. So that's my advice to you guys. doesn't matter what you're doing and what frame of mind you are if you don't want to be around anymore. If you've got a criminal record, there is something out there for you. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I wouldn't be where I am now if someone didn't give me that. Absolutely golden. Um, finally, from me, it's Sam, thing, yeah. uh, online, obviously, but I know no, you've got um, your on social media and stuff. Can where can people find you? And work for you in the evenings or in the afternoon. Can I just sweep up? Everyone jumps into this um, perception of, oh, I can fit brake pads. I can do this. I can do that. Well, that garage owner doesn't give them crap if you can fix brake pads or if you can earn him money. What he cares about is you turning up and sweeping the floors and emptying the bins, the job he doesn't have to do. When he sees you stood around, then maybe he'll say, oh, grab a spanner, nipper, give me a hand. That is what you need to promise yourself. Don't go into that job saying, I can be the best at that. Go into it and say, I can be the best me. And that's all I've got to offer. But that's it.
uh, Hard Up Garage official on Instagram. Hard Up Garage. Super, YouTube, super excited for that. Facebook. I'm sure you guys that are listening uh, should be uh, excited for that as well. Sam, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, stay in touch. And uh, yeah, I look forward to all the amazing stuff you've got planned. More importantly, uh, Hard Up Garage is changing. Yeah. Um, my life changed in the last six months. I had to open my own car so I was about to get less dirty. And uh, I'm going to go oil on my hands this morning. Um, but, you know, uh, my YouTube channel is changing. And a day in the life of Sam Hard once a week is going to be out on um, YouTube very soon. So, you know, from the grafting, buying and selling the normal stuff to buying the weird and the wonderful. So, you know, soon my YouTube channel is going to be changing and it's going to be doing a little bit Thank like... Thank you so much, Sam. Cheers, man. ...the struggles in life and, you know, what you can do if you put your mind to it. Now, one more thing. Um, guys, all of the people that are following this uh, podcast from my channel and my following around the world, please subscribe to this man's podcast. I mean, if there's anything more inspirational than this chap at the moment, then I haven't seen it. So come and watch him. Watch his previous podcast as well. They're fantastic. My mate Chiro's on there. There's some other amazing videos. So get on there, watch his podcast and enjoy it. That's what it's about. If you're not enjoying it, don't do it. This man's enjoying it. Thank you very much. No worries. Stay safe. Thanks again.